Content warning. This episode contains mentions of self-harm, suicide, mental illness, and emotional abuse, so please listen with caution. trust men a little bit less you know what I mean um and honestly I feel like that's healthy for me because you know my tendency is to just kind of like jump into things and be like are you my dad but no they're not my fucking father they're not my fucking father welcome to fake names real love a series where an anonymous Columbia student tells us about their experience with love relationships hookups romance sex friendship and everything in between All names have been changed to protect the privacy of those interviewed. In this episode, we're talking to Georgia, a sophomore at Barnard, about how getting ghosted forced her to come to terms with her trauma, attachment style, and tendency to rush into relationships. Before we get into it, I want to let you know now that Georgia's story will delve into some troubling experiences. No one here is a medical expert, and we are not promoting any of the choices or behaviors that you are about to hear. Please listen with caution, and feel free to stop at any point if it becomes too much. Hi, my name is Georgia, and I recently got ghosted. So this happened very recently. Um, I was in quarantine, and I was just kind of like really bored in there, so I was scrolling through Tinder, as one does, and um, I matched with this guy, and he's he was really cute. He had this like great mustache, which I'm like kind of like into, um, and he had a really good neck, like... I don't know if that makes any sense, but he had a really good neck. I was like, he's cute or whatever. Um, so we matched, and I like just didn't really think anything of it, because like sometimes you'll match with people on Tinder, and it'll just be like boring, and you know, you won't really have a great conversation with them or whatever. But we matched, and we like clicked right off the bat. And I feel like sometimes that happens. It happens very rarely with me. We're calling him Himbo. Yeah. Do you um, want to explain what himbo means for those audience members who might not know? That was part of our um, initial conversation. I I think I was like, ask for my number right now. And he was <laughs> like, I love this because my little himbo brain like doesn't have to think about what to do. And so his name is himbo. Yeah, but I'd, I put his name in my phone. I put his contact over in my phone. I put a little emoji by his name. It's the pink bow emoji. I'm never going to look at that emoji again. I swear to God. Simply cannot take it. And that was that was the first mistake I made, I think, was putting his name into my phone. Um, I think that I had a gut feeling about him um, just because I was so already just like so into him, just like right off the bat. Um, I had this gut feeling that he was going to ghost. Is that kind of intuition something that you get a lot with men? I don't know that it's intuition. I think it's either intuition or it's fear. Yeah. And the deal with that is I have um, abandonment issues, as a lot of people do. Um, The tea with that is when I was growing up, my parents divorced when I was very little. I think it was like three. Um, My dad moved out. I was with my mom, um, and she was very emotionally abusive, which is part of the reason why they broke up. And eventually my dad, I don't think that my dad really knew what was going on because he had been abused himself. So he left me with my mom and he moved to Louisiana, which I I don't blame him for. I think he just needed to get out of there. 
but the deal after that was like I would spend every school break that I had in Louisiana and you know I would go back to my mom's after that and without fail like I remember this over and over and over again I would I could not handle watching him drive out of that parking lot literally could not handle it it wasn't just like oh my dad is leaving and I'm really sad it was like over and over and over that wound was reopened because he wasn't around and my dad and I were very close emotionally but it was the fact that he was physically so far away especially while that emotional abuse was going on so in that setting I got my first crush and he was like you know he was kind of an idiot as seventh grade boys are you know um but I liked him a lot and we started dating I became so attached to him it, it wasn't that I I mean, I did like him. I thought he was, you know, he was fun to hang out with. He was cool. But he quickly became a stand-in for that father figure that I was missing because I had that hole, like, so deep within me. Um, it's like a wound, almost, and I needed something to fill that. We dated for a year and a half, and then after we broke up, I was kind of, like, on to the next guy within three weeks. So, you know, immediately this had become kind of a pattern for me. I needed like romantic, romantic interest as a stand-in for what I had missed in my childhood and as I was becoming an adult. So with that background information, let's jump forward again to what just happened to me. So anyways, Himbo, going back to Himbo, um, he, as we were texting, I was like, yeah, I'm in quarantine. He was like, you're going to hate me. I'm in Pennsylvania. He was making a documentary, and he was very passionate about his documentary. He's such a talented guy, but he's in Pennsylvania until January. And I was like, okay, well, like, you know, I'm enjoying like, my time talking to him. Like, let's just keep talking. But, like, literally in my gut, I could feel, like, that fear, that anxiety that I was like, he's just going to be gone. He's going to be gone and I'm going to have to go back to square one. Um, so that dependency was immediately like showing itself with him. And it only got worse because we kept talking and he like made stupid niche memes for me. Um, and, you know, we talked about how we were like enjoying talking to each other so much. And like it was going to be so great when he finally got back or when we finally got to see each other. And... You know, we wanted a connection before we met, and we were forming one, and I knew that that was so dangerous for my, not only my self-esteem, but like, you know, just my, my mental health. But I liked him, you know, and it's such a, it's such a weird dichotomy. In my experience, I can be enjoying myself so much and still know, like, in the back of my head that it's going to devolve really quickly, you know, just because of the issues that I have. So his texts were becoming the best part of my day. Like I would literally like get out of class and be like happy texted me like, what's going on? Like did he send me any, any like stupid shit? Um, and at the time, were you talking to anybody else? I like, I had Tinder and I had Bumble because I, I knew that I probably needed to back up. And you know, I had people that I was like, you know, I spoke to, but I wasn't interested in anybody else. Like it, it was, uh, it became an obsession. So his texts were becoming the best part of my day and, you know, quickly they were becoming the only thing that made me happy. 
and it happened without me even realizing it. I was just like, I really, really like this guy, you know? So, uh, I got drunk one night with my friends, and I texted him, and I'm like, I didn't realize Pennsylvania was so easy to access, because it's literally like a three-hour train ride away. And I was thinking, like, you know, at the very least, I could go for, like, a day trip at some point, you know? And he texts me, and he's like, we lost, like, a a memory card or something full of footage. It was hours worth of footage, and it was from the city. And he was like, we have to come back and refilm, and we're going to be there tomorrow, I just found out. And I was, like, so excited, out of my mind, but he was like, I don't know if I'm going to have time, because it's going to be a time crunch. And I was like, okay, I totally understand that, because, like, you know, the struggle with, like, dealing with what I deal with is that, like, you want the other person to have their own life and to feel like they can be independent and do the things that they need to do because you really do care about them. But when they go do those things, it makes you anxious because you don't know, you know, you don't know what's going on in their head. You can't, like, your perspective is so fucked up that you can't tell when they like you or when they don't like you. You know what I mean? So he you know, came back to the city the next day. Um, and I had a really busy day that day. I had told him that I was free from like 10 to 12. I didn't, cause I had forgotten that I had tutoring. Um, and I woke up at like eight and I texted him and I'm like, I'm, I was like, I'm up like, just in case like you have the time to come see me. And he was like, we're already in the city. And I was like, oh, like I thought he was gonna text me like before he got here and he hadn't. And then, you know, I realized that I had to go to tutoring and. Um, I tutored, and I went to my retreat, and then I looked at my phone around 1.45, and I realized he had texted me at 11.30, and he said, I'm in Riverside, like, we're filming, and I was like, oh my god, like, I missed it, he's gonna hate me, like, he's gonna be so mad at me, like, we're not gonna talk anymore, like, it's ruined, I ruined it. It's this instinctual panic. What happens when I feel like that is like the back of my head gets hot. I like, I can't, I literally have a panic attack um, when, you know, I perceive of something. Ha- it's really not that big of a deal, you know, to anybody else. It would be like, oh, like you missed him, but like you talked about it, you know. But to me, it's like the world is ending, like literally. So I blew up his phone. Embarrassing, uh, but it happened and it happens. I blew up his phone and I did not hear from him for the rest of the day. Um, And I was like, he's probably just busy and I missed him, you know, and I was so disappointed. And then the next morning, I was still just like panicking about it. And, you know, he texts me back and he goes, I'm so sorry, we were there filming until really late. And like my phone was going to die. And I was like, why wouldn't you text me to tell me that? You know what I mean? And, like, you know, realistically, this guy and I haven't been, we're not dating. We've been talking for, like, maybe two weeks. So, like, he doesn't have to text me to tell me that his, like, phone is going to die. I just kind of, like, I I expected that. And I wanted that. And to some extent, I feel like it would have been respectful of him to do that, but he certainly was not required to. This is when the trouble kind of started. And I think it started a little bit before that, too. But, you know, I would need reassurance pretty much after every text I sent to him just because I was so afraid of of losing him and I would literally have to go to my friends and be like do you think this sounds weird like what is his response like what does it mean and I'm I'm sure they got so fucking sick of me um but I I just like 
I needed that because I, I didn't have that. I didn't have the ability to step back in my head and say, okay, like, was that weird? Like, you know, am I being clingy? Am I being like, you know, a dork? Like, you know, I don't have that ability. And it's informed by like the trauma that you experience. Like exactly. that's why you're so concerned. Exactly. It's because I don't, I did, I literally, the fear that I had was that he was going to just stop talking to me or just like leave, you know? So that was on Saturday, the day that he came. This was literally last week. So I talked to him on Sunday. On Monday, we talked in the morning. He said, I'm going to Lancaster. Um, he sent me some pictures from the previous day. I was like, that's so cool. Like, send me more stuff from Lancaster. I go to class. He sends me a stupid TikTok around like noon and I respond to it. I'm like, LMFAO, like monkeys riding on horses. Cause it was literally like a video of monkeys riding on horses. <laughs> um, and that was the last thing that I ever heard from him. This next portion of Georgia's story is going to include details about self-harm and suicide. I, you know, I texted him the next day. He was continuing to post on his story, on his Instagram story that day. I was like, okay, maybe he's just busy because he did that. Um, and then the next morning I was like, he still hasn't texted me because he normally texted me good morning. Um, and he hadn't texted me. I texted him, I told him, hey, um, and I lost it. I lost it that day. I self-harmed for the first time in two years. The last time I self-harmed was after one of my best friends killed himself, which is a whole other story. But like why this was the thing that affected me as much as my friend killing himself. I, I could not go to class that day. I could not get out of bed. I could not leave my apartment. And he didn't text me, you know, and I texted him two more times. I was like, hey, like, are you busy right now? And then I was like, I had gone to get my haircut that day. And I was like, I'm sorry for continuing to bother you, but like, I got my haircut if you want to see it. So like, we would say stuff like that. Like, I would be like, do you want to see my makeup? And he would be like, yes. And that was like one of the things that I loved about him because it was just like, he seems so interested in my life. I didn't hear from him that day. Um, and then the next morning, I still hadn't heard anything from him. And he had been continuing to post on the story throughout the day that he didn't talk to me. And then the next morning, and I saw it, and I lost it again. I lost it again. I had to call my dad. I was hysterical. And, you know, my mind went to this really dark place. It was like, if things that are supposed to make me feel happy, like dating, like, you know, falling in love with someone, if those are always going to make me feel this way, then why am I here? You know, like why, what is the purpose? Um, and it like that, that's where my mind goes when shit like this happens. You know what I mean? It is my worst fear. And I, I texted him a paragraph that I sent to Natalie. I was like, you should read it, I think, if, you, if you're comfortable. Yeah, um, I'll read it. Okay, I'm just going to assume that I'm being ghosted, I guess, since I haven't heard anything from you in two days. Like, let me know if I'm wrong, please, but that's what it seems like. 
It really hurts because I thought we vibed really well, and I thought that you would tell me if you weren't into it anymore or if I did something wrong. In any case, I hope that your documentary is going well, and I guess I'll talk to you later. So I literally um, had texted him, you know, this paragraph that was like, I feel like I'm being ghosted, like if that's the case, like I hope that you're doing fine, like the one that I just read. And he literally posted a screenshot, not a screenshot, a picture of, it's like a bumper sticker, like he was in the car and he, like the car had a bumper sticker that said, I heard good breeders. And he said, ladies, question mark. I said, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start throwing shit. I literally could not. I, I had sent that to my friends and he was like, what a fucking douchebag. Like you literally dodged a bullet. And I was like, no, but what ladies is he referring to? <laughs> Like, I literally could not handle it. It took, like, all of my strength um, to deal with the situation. And, you know, I was telling my friend, I was like, I don't think that dating should feel like this. I don't think that it should be this hard. You know, and it, it should, it's supposed to be fucking fun, you know? And it, like, I really liked him. And, you know, that was the reason why it became such a shit show for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, um, I guess I kind of want to get into, like, what I'm doing about it yeah. a little bit. I, I really do feel this way. I feel like I learn something new after, you know, every time I'm interested in somebody, like, really interested in somebody. And I feel like what I learned from this guy is that... I have a lot more work to do because, you know, it's not, it's, I don't have work to do so that they'll like stick around and not ghost me. I have work to do because dating is supposed to be fun. It's been really, really tough because, you know, I feel like, I feel like I've been doing a lot of work recently surrounding like my father wound and my issues. And so when, you know, I matched with him, I was like, oh, this is like, this is meant to be. Like, it's, like, the result of my hard work. I'm a very spiritual person, and I thought that this was, like, something that I had manifested. And, you know, it, it made me realize that I need something stable. I need something reliable. I don't need something to be intense that quickly because that's terrifying to me. Every time something happens like this, I trust men a little bit less. You know what I mean? Um... And honestly, I feel like that's healthy for me because, you know, my tendency is to just kind of, like, jump into things and be like, are you my dad? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, they're not my fucking father. They're not my fucking father, you know, and they don't want to be, and I don't want them to be. So I, I think that what I learned from that is I need to be more protective of myself and I need to listen to my fucking gut, you know? Because I knew from the beginning that this was going to happen, but I was like, I don't know if I'm, like, misconstruing this, like, I don't know if this is just, like, a fear that I have, because I'm, you know, like, scared to face my own, like, insecurities. No. I needed to listen to my fucking gut. You know what I mean? Because I've been through this before, and I know what it looks like in the beginning. Yeah. I, I think that what has helped me recently is distracting myself, genuinely, like... It seems like a band-aid at first. It's the only thing that can get you through the day. Like just DJing or like going to the library with my friends. I think that I, I lose sight of the fact that I have so many people who care about me when I get into situations like that, that it seems like the only person who matters is the person who 
doesn't really even know me. You know what I mean? So I think that just kind of getting back to the relationships that I've really cultivated and, you know, the people I really trust has been very helpful to me. And, you know, I have so much other shit going on. I am so fucking out of his league. You know what I mean? Yeah, you are. I'm so out of his league. Like, who the fuck posts a uh, fucking picture of an I Heart Good Breeders <laughs> fucking bumper sticker? It's like, ladies, like, who want shut me? The fuck <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, he's just not even that cute. He's literally yeah. not even that cute. Um, yeah, on to bigger and better fucking things. Where yeah, you are. are. Yeah, period. Listening to Georgia speak so honestly about the trauma that she has endured was extremely tough, but eye-opening. Her story shows how the ways that we offer and receive love will always be shaped by past experiences. I'm so incredibly grateful that Georgia was willing to share this story with us, and I hope that her courage to speak encourages dialogues about the challenges that trauma, especially parental and family trauma, can present in forming and maintaining romantic relationships. If you or someone you know is struggling with self-harm, suicidal ideation, or mental illness in general, visit the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline's website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org, or call 1-800-273-8255. If you or someone you know is the victim of emotional abuse, you can visit the National Domestic Violence Hotline's website, thehotline.org. Thanks for tuning in to Fake Themes Real Love. If you have a story about love, relationships, hookups, romance, sex, friendship, or anything in between, you can email me at podcasts at columbiaspectator.com.